This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Come on down and jump some of this shit. always have Sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie films, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the international film from South Korea titled I Saw the Devil, a special agent whose pregnant wife becomes the latest victim of a disturbed and brutal serial killer, exacts revenge through a series of cat and mouse games that lead to the ultimate retribution. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined by veteran podcaster and editor, and none other than my partner in crime, Mr. Alan Martindell. Alan, how the hell are you? I'm doing really, really good after watching this film, because we got, it's got everything I kind of love in movies all the tasteless as we got some gore we got cannibalism again we have a, a, a revenge plot and we got a game of cat and mouse and we got so it's actually a smart movie too so i'm i'm loving this i'm having a good time with this one yeah this was a fucking fantastic <laughs> movie it was it, it's 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 fun it's clever it's well put together it's actually got amongst all the violence and gore it's also got some and we'll get into this some comedic to me some comedic oh, moments. there were some great hilarious moments in this movie that i i laughed out loud at and i have some questions for you on that because i i also thought there were a couple pieces that i just laughed my ass off on basically the incompetence of the korean police department it's hilarious it's so good. <laughs> we'll get into that in just a second. So you chose this movie. Um, give me a little background, like you always, like we always do, where you know, kind of the relationship to the film and and why you chose it, and and uh, we'll go from there. So I had seen this movie a long time ago. I think this came out what twenty ten. I think twenty uh, eleven. Yeah, and then twenty eleven like here in the U.S. So I had I kind of heard about it here and there, but then I, I saw it a long time ago. But I'm gonna be honest, I, I remember I liked it, but I didn't, when I started watching it again, I didn't remember a whole lot about it. I, I remember the general plot, but there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it was, it was all a surprise to me as I was re-watching it. Um, that's the main reason is because I just remember seeing it and liking it. And plus, uh, obviously Korean cinema, I think is vastly underrated. There, they're producing some really good stuff, especially as of late. Obviously, Parasite, uh, Train to Busan is really good as well. And uh, the main reason I picked it, though, is because I wanted to hear you have to pronounce all the names the entire podcast. I Yeah, well, we're going to come up with a new uh, language we're, that just characterizes the characters as the character, we're gonna not have the to. actual actor who plays them. We're going to have to because I, 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 the whole time I, I can't do it. I, I couldn't either. I couldn't. Either. I mean, Byung Hun Lee. Yeah, that's, I think that's right. <laughs> I was having a hard with time him. with with the villain, like his character name, Jang Kyung Cho. Is that right? I think oh, we're that's gonna. It. Yeah, we can't do that. We're gonna just do 
the NIS agent, the special forces okay. or the special, what, what's it called? An NIS? I don't know. National security. I don't know what they call it in Korea. The hell do they call it in Korea? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like a secret service agent in the Korean government. Right. Well, so we'll call him the, well, his the secret agent. I mean, his name, his, uh, his surname is Kim. So that's pretty easy. And then I think it's Jang for the, the main villain, the guy that was in Old Boy. J- that guy, by the way. Oh, Min Sik Chow. We'll talk about him. He's great. I think we'll go Secret Agent. Okay. There's two primary characters in this film. Secret Agent. Serial Killer. <laughs> Is that, that's how we'll break perfect. it down. I think that makes it easy. I like then it. I'm not going back and forth fucking up people's names i like it that's embarrassing too i don't want to be that guy that tries to pronounce it and can't and do just it. fails yeah yeah and fails it's miserably tough. it's one thing if you give it a go and you and you get close it's another thing when you're just an ignorant ass yeah. and you don't know how to say <laughs> so i'm gonna play the safe card yeah, smart man you're a smart man for sure <laughs> so we have secret agent and and uh serial, serial killer, killer. And they are, I think both characters, well, I guess we should just start at the beginning because this. Let, let me just say too, real quick, sorry. And then, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you, have you lead us through because this is kind of your, your movie. But I did want to say kind of where I, I stepped in with it. I had never seen the film before. I did have a recommendation. It's so funny because I think I bring his name up every other podcast, but my friend Donnie, who's a producer, because you guys have similar tastes when it comes to film. And he's like, oh, I fucking love that movie. He got so excited when I talked to him this week about us doing the podcast on it. And I figured, yeah, I figured you guys would like it. You guys should just get together and go watch horror films for a weekend. Hey, Donnie's a smart man. Never met him, but I can tell you right now he's a smart man. He's got a good taste. I'll vouch for that. He is. He's a smart dude. Um, So I, but I had never seen the film. Matter of fact, the only real, to be honest, I agree with what you said about Korean films. And I just don't have... Uh, a lot of history with them. I just haven't put a lot of focus on watching them. But after watching this film, it's definitely incentivized me to want to get into it a little bit more. I have seen Old Boy. I think that's one that a lot of people have seen, even if they're not as fluent in Korean cinema. But uh, And it stars uh, Min Sik Cho, the same guy that's the serial killer in this film. And Old Boy's great. It's a great movie. It is. It, I loved it. That's another one. I, I saw it a million years ago, and I, I don't remember anything about it other than Min Sik Cho in it and, and how great he was. Can I say this, too, which is please don't some production company in America try to recreate I Saw the Devil like Spike Lee tried to recreate Old Boy. Spike Lee Josh did that? Brolin. I didn't know that Spike Lee had done that. Oh my lord, help me please. Yeah, I've I've not heard good things. Like I I like Spike and we did a podcast on yeah. him a few uh weeks ago um with She's Got to Have It and we we really had a lot of good things to say about that movie overall. Um and a lot of his stuff I like, but man, when he, don't recreate the a movie that works so well. And my hope is that as we get into this movie that no U.S. production company sees I Saw the Devil and tries to put an Americanized version together of it. I don't think you could do it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like doing Martyrs, and they, they did that. 
and it's so watered down. It's not, I mean, it's still a good movie. I mean, I I wouldn't call it good. It's not great, but it's, it's, it's better than most re American remakes, but it's, it's so watered down. It doesn't even feel like it's not the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you would, you would have a different approach. I just, they're gonna, I just hope they don't. That's all I'm saying. I hope they don't. uh, And it's not that there's, look, I'm a patriot. I like America and I love it. It's my country. At the same time, we don't need to piss on every movie that's ever been invented exactly. and produced outside. Exactly. <laughs> so please don't do that with this one because I walked away. And here's the other thing, Alan, which I was actually surprised with, which my wife watched this one with me. She's like, that is a great movie. And I can see why, and we'll get into it. So that's kind of where I come in with the movie. Uh, I think I just blew away the whole podcast. I'm like, this is the fucking best movie ever. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it, it really is a good movie. It, it's, it's tough to watch it at parts. There are a couple triple F moments. And, but overall, it's, it's just, it's satisfying. It's intriguing. It's two and a half hours, but it blows by. It doesn't feel like a two and a half hour movie. Like I sat down and watched it. Uh, I was watching it today with Jess and she was she had some stuff she had to do. So we, she was just going to watch it for a minute. Next thing I know, 40 minutes have blown by. We didn't even realize it. And then she's like, oh, shit, I got to get up and do my stuff. But it's it just it fl- it just flies by when you watch it. It's really good. No, the really, story is, it really does. St- I, I watched it uh, once and then we had to postpone the podcast. And then I rewatched it again before we did today's podcast. And you're right. It didn't feel like a chore, like a homework. Sometimes they do. If they're long and you have other things going on in life and you're trying to get through a movie, you go, eh, is it a chore? But this one didn't feel like that at all. And it blows by. You're absolutely right. It does. The story is that engaging. It's very well paced. It's it, it. Honestly, I usually the pacing is something that takes me out of a film. I don't know if I've ever seen a more perfectly paced movie. You get the lulls right when you need, when you need them. You get the intense moments. They're not too over the top. I mean, they are, but they're not, they're not, they don't drag them out. And I just think it's so well done. You get the exposition when you need it. You get it. It's done very efficiently. Everything about this film is just done very well in regards to pacing. Yeah, and there's nothing overly complex about the narrative. I mean, from the get-go, from scene one, where the secret agent's girlfriend is introduced, and she's, I mean, it's very horror-esque in the sense that there's an isolated female, and she's all alone on a, on a street, and her car is, having, is broke down. Right. And then the, the introduction of a monster who at first appears to be uh, a good Samaritan, somebody who's trying to help her fix the car. And then that the introduction and the reality is it's really the, the serial killer. Yeah. And I, I like the way they did it because if you were going to go full horror, you wouldn't show the monster. You wouldn't show the villain. You would yeah, you, not that early. Exactly. But by showing him, you almost let your guard down a little bit because he seems like a frail, not old, but older, like maybe late forties, aged guy he doesn't look like the typical kind of threatening dude and that's and that's he doesn't he's he's not intimidating not not in the least bit and and then every scene he's in is intense is so it's just like you're sitting on pins and needles he i i love the way and we'll get to this but i love the way they reveal his character and the way they they get like 
they paint a picture of him at first, and he's a totally different dude by the end. I mean, you just you do you didn't see any of this coming. You don't think he's cunning. You don't think he's smart. You think he's kind of a hopeless person drifting through life who just happens to be a serial killer. But he's way more than that. Yeah, they changed that that character development really well because I a hundred percent from the beginning. I almost think that he's a bit of a an idiot, right? That happens to just have this you know murderous streak in him right and then it's revealed later that he's not as dumb as he was portrayed early in the film right the only thing i, I kind of question is i don't understand his motivation i don't like when he is i know he's a serial killer but he doesn't seem to be taking any particular joy he's not enjoying the mutilation and the killing like a lot of serial killers do it almost seems like he's just you know, another day at the office type of thing like when he yeah because w- once he takes the secret agent's girlfriend so that first scene i mean it it it, it flips easily and and they're not hiding anything that's one thing i like about it they don't they don't try to try to cover it up i mean it's in your face bloody gory violent right from the start yeah uh, as he kills the woman who's been stranded in her car and and he he beats the shit out of her. There's a there's a low angle shot of her. Just he's going to town. And, and <laughs> some of these shots look so realistic. Like it doesn't seem like it's a film. A lot of these shots, a lot of the violence is just so in your face, and they don't cut away. There's no suggestion. They're not you know playing it to the imagination, leaving it to your imagination. They are just straight up just beating the shit out of these people and showing it, and it looks so goddamn real that it's scary yeah they they it that's the other thing it's not super stylized in the sense of like you would see something like tarantino or something that's ultra violent but in a very overly stylistic way they're trying to make this authentic 100 percent feel uh like visceral real and i think that's where if this were to be remade for an american audience i don't think they would do that i don't think they'd take that route and I think they he would take lose that over a lot. Stylized. Right. Because it, it gives a lot more weight to the film and the plot and the characters for sure. And that's the thing. It is a it is a weighty film. And by that, I mean that it's it 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 takes you through a run of emotions. I mean, once the it, it, it sets up the story really nicely. Like we said, it's simple. There's nothing overly complex about the concept of it. Serial killer kills the girlfriend it's, we know that the girlfriend was the fiance, I say girlfriend, but was the fiance of the Secret Service agent. And that's his cue to uh, come up with a game plan for retribution. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's the premise of what we go throughout the story with, right? And I, the thing I like about it is you see the entire <laughs> breadth of his <clears throat> skills in tracking him down. Like you see the way he's able to track all of these, like all of the four suspects There are four major suspects in her killing. And by the way, her killing, we should, we should address that. It's brutal. He, uh, he, he definitely, he, well, for, he, he decapitates her essentially. And that scene where they're searching where the kid finds an ear in a bag, and then they're searching for the rest of the body. And that scene with all of those police and, and, all of those media uh, members and just everyone just conjugating on this in 
this this one swampland and the chaos when they find the head is done so unbelievably well like it's it's so i can't imagine i don't know how you even dream up a, a scene like that like i i just the whole time i'm thinking wow these people are incredibly unprofessional because they find a head and then they go screaming about it with about 100 <laughs> media members right around with cameras I'm, I'm here i am laughing because i'm telling you right now that scene is so ludicrous it, it is absolutely absurd Rewatching it this time i was like this is this is there's just no way that's not that's not how it would go down first off what's wrong with the korean police department <laughs> and why can't they i'm serious why can't they control the media there's about 100 <laughs> press members just surrounding the crime scene. If you go to a crime scene here, the truth is they have it taped off like 100, 200 feet away. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, you can't pass to a, right? Or at least they try to. This was like, they were, the press was searching for the victim with the cops. That's what it felt like. It felt like they had the community in there. They had the press. Yeah. They had like family members out there searching. Like it just felt like a disorganized mess. And I know that's the intention. I know that was the intention of the scene and that's what the director wanted to do. And he did it so well. Like you mentioned, like it's structurally put together so well, especially when you're trying to queue up hundreds of people and create some kind of scene or some kind of ambiance. And they do it really good because the chaos, the absurdity, the <laughs> it, it makes for, this is what I was talking about before. It's very... <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, what the hell? This just went from like a serious thriller with the revengeful story to just this. It, it literally, to me, pushed the, the, the side of like absurdity Adam Sandler comedy. It, it was like a head rolls out. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it, here's the thing. For me, the first time I watched it, uh, I didn't get that. I was engaged in the story. And I was engaged in this in this search for the, for her. It wasn't until I rewatched it uh, this week that that's when it kind of dawned on me. Like this is so this is ridiculous. This is stupid. And that really speaks to the filmmaking and, and the skill of the, of the director. I can't even pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try. But it, I didn't really hit me until watching it this time how absurd it was. It, <laughs> it's funny. So if you're looking for a laugh. For me, you can probably get a laugh. Usually don't <laughs> laugh when a head rolls on the ground. Um, but the incompetence of it, like if you found the head as one of the forensic guys and you were trying to conceal the head from the community and the press, you just run up the bank of the river and you just trip and then the head rolls well, first out. Of all, the guy who, who, who finds it. Starts screaming that he found he the head. He starts screaming that he found the head. <laughs> so of course, I found the head. There's going to be a big a media scrum rushing towards the head. And then the guy <laughs> who picks it up is running and drops the head. And so it falls out in front of her dad, in front of her fiance, in front of all these press. And then all the, all the cops can do at that point is just, uh, just yell at the media members. Here's where I, here's where I think that Ji uh, Woon is the director, Ji Woon Kim. This is where I think he's really artful because the reality is it's so absurd. The head rolls out, but then he does this dramatic move with the camera where it hits the fiance and the music accompaniment 
it changes the tonality of what just happened. So for me, at least, when I watched it, I thought it was kind of comedic <laughs> when the head fell. Then the camera hits the fiance and slowly starts doing kind of a back a, a movement around a 180 around the fiance. The music starts to escalate, and you start to see it—a little bit of welling in the eyes—and the retribution begins. The the vengeful. Uh, character is starting to emerge and he does a really it becomes almost dramatic again with this absurd moment just seconds before for right. me right and i thought he did really well with that with with able to balance those two kind of different uh tones and we should mention that in this film there are a lot of really creative and really well executed camera movements yeah there's a lot of them and and especially in the action scenes you see that kind of a lot but it was just done so skillfully, but not even just in the action scenes. Like even even when we're first introduced to the secret agent and he is at work and the camera's just kind of floating around the room with him and it's just done so well. You're getting such a great idea of who he is, uh, what his job is, um, and there's so much exposition just done by the filmmaking, not necessarily told to us, which I thought was very skillfully done. Yeah, I think cinematography is be actually it's beautiful. It's really well put together. It almost feels like and I because I don't know enough about Korean film or Korean cinema, but I remember Old Boy looking and feeling very beautifully put together as well in terms of the imagery. So it's almost like they've got to, you know, at least the stuff that I've seen is 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 really well handled when it comes to whether it be camera movement or just the 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 blocking and the setup and the compositions of the images. Yeah, done very well. Really well done. Um, so before we keep going, so he finds out, of course, now the father, it's also introduced that the father of the girl or the fiance uh, is the police chief, right, of that town. Now, and, was he, I know he was a former detective. Is he still the police chief or is he retired? It, or he's, or I, I never got that either, even in both watches. I was wondering if he was the current chief or just they had paid such respect to him. Right. Because he was a retired captain or captain. Regardless, or is he is or, as a, or was at one time the police chief. And the, uh, the rest of the police force really respects him. I like what they did with his character. They made him weak. But it also, I kind of also had a little bit of a problem with it because... I can't imagine any police chief got to where they are by being a timid, weak person. Yeah. So that's the only thing. I, I liked the idea that he was he was kind of weak and powerless, and I thought that played well into the story. But in regards to the character, I'm not sure if I'm buying it fully. On the You mean the police chief? Yeah. That's what you're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's also a cultural thing. I almost feel like there's a different... Um, and I don't know, like I said, it just feels like there's a diff, like you don't have to be a dick because people respect you for being the elderly statesman of a, of a, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, to me, it went more than that because he is, he's very timid. Like when he tries to get the secret agent to stop hunting the serial killer, he kind of gives up on it. Like he kind of half-heartedly asks him and then it's not going to happen. So he just kind of lets it go. And then he needs his daughter to get on the phone to really try and, and plead with him to stop. So to me, there, there's just some instances in there that just it kind of it kind of makes me think that he's he's weak. And again, it plays well. It plays great for the story. 
it services the yeah. story fantastically. But it just, I mean, it's a little nitpicking thing. But to me, if you're going to be a police chief, I'm not sure you're going to be that timid. Yeah. And he's also not, well, he becomes a, a piece to the plot or the story later on, but he's not all that integral to things going forward for about an hour. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so he, they've, the daughter slash fiance has been murdered in this brutal fashion in a very authentic, by the way, and, and you mentioned this for those listening, it's, it's brutal. Like it's not a, these scenes of murder are very violent and gory They're there and not in a stylistic, uh, exploitative, not in way. a fun way, not in like no. a, a fun horror movie way. No, it's, it's very real. Um, and, and this really leads us into it. So at this point, the, the secret agent now goes to his, uh, his boss at the, the Secret Service and says, I need two weeks off. And I love that it's like, I love that he says it that way. And his boss is like, well, you should take more if you need it. You're grieving and all these kind of things. And, and he's just like so stern in his response. And he's like, it's all, two weeks. That's all I need. Just need two weeks. And, and that, that, it's those little subtleties, too, that really start to give you an idea of who this guy is. Right. And admittedly, I kept, in my Americana version, kept saying, I have a special set of skills. I know. I kept thinking, <laughs> this is like, this is a much better version of Taken. That's exactly right. I was like, this is like Taken, but not, but Taken's not even close to this good. No, it's, it's not very good. I didn't, I thought it was okay, but it, there were some. It was all right. There's some really dumb things in Taken. I mean, this is what this is what they were trying to do. Was this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had a choice between uh, this character and Liam Neeson, I'm going to take this character every time. Oh, dude, this guy would take out twenty. His name child. And you're right. Names. His name's Kim, so it's easy to. Yeah, <laughs> we can say Kim if we have we can to. Say I guess. Kim. Yeah. Um, but I did keep. It was funny because I kept thinking that. I kept thinking. <laughs> I wanted him to say that in Korean. But, I mean, that was the best part because take it, you don't, they didn't need to say that. They've already set up that he's in some, you don't know what exactly he is, but he is a, in some sort of high level security. So, you know, he's able to do this. They, they, they've set up how he tracks these guys down. Like he's, you don't need to tell it. You don't need that speech. Yeah. And that, no, I, that's you're what right. I like we don't, we don't, we don't need all that history and exposition. And he does get, as he tells his boss, hey, I need two weeks, he goes and meets his, it, it, it felt like um, a little bit of a James Bond here where yeah. he was getting the secret toy from, uh, is it Money Penny or yeah, no, it's yeah. a Q. Q. Q, yeah, that's right. right. It feels like he had his own little Q. He's like, this is a microchip and the microchip also has GPS and a, and a microphone in it and you swallow it and then you can hear and follow and track people. That's a and, pretty... That's a pretty clever little invention they came up with there. That I, I wondered about the reality of that technology. But if how could, could you hear? How could you hear through I, a microphone? That's the thing. I don't think you could. That's the thing. And he's able to hear everything, not just what the person is saying who swallowed it, but everything around him too. And I, that's just not possible. Yeah, I don't think you can get but here but here's the the beauty of the movies where we just suspend that and we yeah, let it be and matter. we go with the story. Yeah, exactly. It's just Partly like in, a, in We want revenge too. Oh, totally. And, and that's another thing is you really do want this guy to get what's coming to him. I I don't know if I'm sure I have, but off the top of my head, I can't think of another villain when I've wanted him so desperately 
to go through hell. Yeah. Ever in my life. Yeah, and we'll get, and there's more to that. Like that escalates through the film. Like the beginning murder definitely sets the stage, but you want that more. It increasingly gets to be more as you start to really find out who this this dick is. And he murders another <laughs> woman, and we got to yeah. say that he, he picks up another woman at a at a bus stop. What is she doing in the middle of nowhere at a bus stop that's not running in the middle of the night? I don't know, but he picks her up. And he takes her to his little murder dungeon and he guillotines her, dude. He straight up guillotines her. Yeah. Like he has a guillotine. <laughs> Who has a guillotine? And it's, and it's obviously homemade. Well, there's some, there's some poetic justice coming later right, with that. Right. <laughs> I just, but you see that and it's like, holy shit, this guy is next level crazy. And not only that, now this is what you're saying before too, because the character, you start to see that. Oh, he's not an idiot. He's not just a doofus right. from this little town. He's like a real, he's got some know-how. Right. And he's creepier than I imagined he was, even though he had already killed someone. He's setting up these contraptions and now he's taking people out. And what makes him even creepier later is that he, you find out that he's uh, essentially like a, a bus driver or an after school program uh, for for kid, for young people, he's their driver. He t picks them up from the after school program and takes them home or takes them wherever they're going. And that makes him even creepier because now you're dealing with underage kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the, the kids he's driving home are girls. And here's where I, here's another question I had. So we see him driving the girls home and there's one girl left in uh, in the van that he's driving and he gets a call that he doesn't answer from the learning center where the cops have shown up looking for him because he's a suspect in in Kim's fiance's murder he obviously knew that he'd been caught right like he obviously knew that they were looking for him for that reason so is that why he decided to just go crazy and just go on a crime spree is that why he was like fuck it I'm just I'm done because I'm caught or is he just that way anyway? Yeah. I, 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 the, to me, I didn't think that I didn't see it that way and it could be, that's what it is. I actually just thought he was like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, the urges are speaking and I'm a sick fuck. See, and I wasn't sure because otherwise, like if he didn't get that call, would he have brought that last girl home to her house instead of bringing her to his torture dungeon and trying to rape or actually he didn't even bring her there. He brought her to some greenhouse or something and tries to rape her. And then this is where we see the first confrontation between Kim and the serial killer. And this is fun. This is super fun because you're already creeped out. You're like, it's bad. Like murder is bad enough. And what he's done to these girls is bad enough. But when you actually see him going after an underage schoolgirl, there's a new level of hatred now, at least for me. Like there was a point now where I'm like, oh shit, this dude, he like, we we're, we're, and, and, and they build up and build up and build up until the secret agent shows up. And it's just like, you're waiting on pins and needles. Is he going to save this girl? Is he going to come in and save this girl? And you really don't know because we've seen so much depravity already that you don't know if, if he's going to actually get there in time or not. There. Yeah. And, and, 
they right before that we should probably note that Kim arrives and he's looking around the house of this serial killer. And by the way, his room is creepy as shit. Oh, dude, he's, like he's got the locks on the on the cabinets, like full blown locks on the cabinets. Um, and Kim starts breaking them off. And inside, you see like women's shoes, women's purses, essentially all these trophies that he has, just as a sick bastard that he is. And and also then when he's looking at that, there's the door behind his room the secret chamber uh a torture chamber opens up the door and kim goes in and there's some conveniences in this movie like kim sure. walks into the secret chamber and just happens to see his fiance's ring that fell off of her hand when he was cutting her up in the sewer drain right by the door well and even to find this this secret torture room the door just magically kind of opens on it its own. opens up <laughs> what's so great this is i don't know how they do it and, and this is something we should figure out i didn't care usually it's i didn't funny, care either. like a lot of times right. you care though you're like well this is bullshit right but for whatever reason the way that they they sew this together it, you start it's okay it's fine yeah i don't care I, that he found it didn't bother me at all and it's partly maybe because we're starting to hate this villain even more in this monster especially like you said you've already upped the stakes with being an underage girl and all that kind of stuff and 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 you want kim to find the evidence so that kim knows as a character that he's pursuing the right guy that's and true so and when you, he f- i do want to say one thing it's something we have we have to, we have to talk about this part so when he's searching for the serial killer there are four suspects that uh his father his future father-in-law the chief uh, kind of slyly hands to him. He say, these are the four guys that the cops are looking at. He goes, he tracks down the first guy. And well, first he puts all their photos up in his apartment. Right, right. And so, and he like lines them up and you're like, this is some Liam Neeson type. It really shit is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the way he goes after, he goes, he's so aggressive. He doesn't even know if these are the dudes, but he yeah. goes at them so aggressively. And the first guy, the first guy's in his apartment jerking off to some porn <laughs> and he starts questioning the guy about uh if he comes in he, he ties him up he starts questioning the dude you know do you know this girl did you do anything and he's like no 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 so he goes he gets a a wrench i think and he starts and they show this i mean they, he starts beating the shit out of his balls like they don't show the balls <laughs> but they show it you know, hitting him in the boxers right in the crotch. They don't cut away. They don't suggest anything. And man, like, and then later when he's in the hospital, the cops reaction. I mean, again, the cops, I, I don't think they're supposed to be comic relief, but they totally are. Like these police officers are just total comic relief throughout the whole movie. Oh, I, 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 I think they're intentional. I think they're a way to relieve the tension and, the the violence in a way so that you can take a breath i think they're intentional it could be it could be but just when they're when their reaction when they're interrogating him is just hilarious i mean just the, yeah. the things they say <laughs> he goes he goes he goes what what uh what happened <laughs> the 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 police detective he's like what's what's he saying what happened and they're like he he beat his balls <laughs> <laughs> who beat he, your balls who beat your balls? <laughs> Who hit your balls? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but anyway, so but it ends up not being him. But that is a a nice like. Not only do we know that Kim's legit is shit because Kim, he he's he's sly, he's smart, he's powerful. Uh, when it comes to he's got he knows some kind of martial arts, but because uh, he beats the shit out of this guy, and then. Uh, but it also gives us a little comedy. I thought it. I thought that's what they well, were doing. I think he intentionally does. I it agree. But it also we also see how aggressive he is. Like he doesn't care if these guys did it or not. He's still gonna he's still gonna kick the shit out of him if he needs to to find out what he yeah, needs to what, find out to get the to get the information. Right. And yeah. so that's why when he goes to the serial killers, well before dungeon, wait, 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 before because we <laughs> he does go to another guy does. who he. Who basically hits on his motorcycle with his car and then does a karate kick and chops him in the street and then beats the shit out of him, holds his phone up to, next to him, looks at him, makes sure it's him. And the guy's like, who are you? He's like scared of shit. <laughs> and then we know it's not him. And then it leads to the serial killer. So it's fun that he builds up and beats the hell out of everybody yeah, on be, his way to the serial and, killer. And it's good because you know once he catches him that it's, it's going to be on. And that's what we want. They've already shown how depraved this guy is. We want we want to see him get justice like very, very badly. And so that's why when he goes to to the serial killers torture dungeon, he finds the engagement ring. That's how he knows he's found the right guy. Right. So and 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 at this point, it's kind of doing some cross cutting back and forth. But ultimately, it now shows serial killer at the the greenhouse or the house. And he's he's got this girl that he's uh, just about ready to to rape. Yeah, and an underage that's girl. A, yeah, it's just it's it, it, it's an FFF scene. It's pretty to me. I just I have a hard time with same, that shit. Same. Well, the first time um, I watched it, I watched it all the way through because I, I was sure any second Kim's gonna bust in there and, and break some heads. But it kind of like he doesn't. I don't think he fully rapes her. The time I watched, he it, doesn't. He doesn't get to it. But he's it's the it's the things that he says too. Yes. In that the the way he speaks to her is makes him so much more creepy. Well, and, and it goes on so long. Like that's why it just it it just drags and drags because you really are waiting for for someone to bust in and save this poor girl. And we just we're not we know we're not safe in this movie because we've seen some pretty horrific things already. So you don't know what's going to come next. But fortunately, and, and, and that is extended out a little long and you start going, okay, let's get over this scene. But fortunately, Kim shows up and he hears something. So he stops what he's doing and doesn't proceed with the, with the rape. Um, but, but as he hears it, he goes out and then it's this, it, it feels very kind of spaghetti Western, yeah. the way they shot it. It's the showdown. Kim comes out and then serial killer comes out and they're both on an end of the greenhouse. And it's just this real fun back and forth. And this is also as we already know, like we mentioned, we know that Kim's a badass. We've, we've seen it. We know that serial killer's a crazy dude, but we don't know if he's like, if he can hold his own in a fight at this point, it kind of feels like there's, he's, there's no way he doesn't have a chance against that's what i thought i was like he's he's gonna get his ass kicked and the movie's over right he's a school driver a school bus driver he doesn't have a lot going on his life he's he's middle over middle aged. there's no way there's just no way there is a line in there where he says the cops found me this quick so i think what you were alluding to earlier is that in the bus when they call him and he doesn't answer the call from the the after school program is that he, he, I think you're right. I think he does know that he's busted. 
I think so. And I think that's why he's just decided to say fuck it and just go on this crime spree. And he says, and there's a line in there because I'm, as I'm looking through it, he says to him during the showdown, he says, the cops found me this quick. And he's like, I guess you don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. And then he grabs a, what is it? A sickle? I think so. I think that's what it is. Like a garden, a handheld garden type sickle and just starts charging at Kim. (laughs) And that, well, and, and the, the action's fun here too. Like it's. Even this is a little bit of a breath because now we're back into movie territory. Like we're out of the kind of horrific stuff and now we're just back into fun action movie stuff. And it's fun. It's shot really well. I love the camera movement. I love the way it's cut together. I, to me, yeah. it's, it's just very, it's done very, very well. I'm not a big fan of action movies either or of action scenes. I think they're, sometimes they're a little just gratuitous and, and annoying. But this, I thought it was, was done really well. It didn't go on too long. It shows how badass Kim is. And you really, and at the end of the fight, essentially, Kim has a giant boulder and he's raised it above the serial killer's head and he's about to bring it down on him and end everything. He doesn't do it though. Yeah. And you're thinking, what the hell's going on? And not only does he not do it, but when the, when the serial killer wakes up, he finds an envelope of money left for him. Well, first he's got, he pulls that, that visqueen, that plastic yeah, over his face and he's true. choking him out. Right, right. And you're like, oh, this, this is over. This dude didn't stand Again, a chance. Then he, it looks so real. They really put that over that dude's face, over that actor's face. And he's ha- he like, it really looks like he's forcing breaths. I don't know how you do he, that. I, I think he just did it. <laughs> I guess you just do it. I don't know. It seems like that'd be a union violation. But this is where I also, the first time I remember watching, I got confused because I was like, okay, he's going to die. And then we don't have a movie going forward. And we're only about 50 minutes in. So how do we proceed? But like you mentioned and you alluded to was he has an opportunity to kill him and end it. And he doesn't. And this is where the cat and mouse game begins to come, come out. Right. And and then when he wake, when the serial killer wakes up and he's got, there's an envelope of money left for him. At this point, I'm thinking, what the hell? Why? What's going on here, man? You had him. What are you doing? Exactly. And it's not till we find out later. It's not till later you start going, this is a mind fuck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because if you woke up, you knew you were getting taken out, and then some dude left you tons of money to like go survive (laughs) and live. You'd be like, what? (laughs) Well, everywhere he goes, Kim follows and beats the shit out of him. He does. And Kim, we should say, Kim breaks his hand and it's important because throughout this, you're right. Everywhere he goes, Kim shows up and just kicks the shit out of him. He just like, he just shows up, beats the fuck out of him and then leaves. And it's, and it's to me, it's hilarious, but I kind of have a problem with it because the next time Kim shows up, they're at the doctor's office and he is raping this, this poor girl who works in, in the office or he's attempting to. Or, yeah, he's, he's attempting to. He's sexually assaulting her for sure. Yes. And Kim comes in and just immediately smashes him in the head with a fire extinguisher. Now, I'm no doctor, but how do you even, how are you not knocked out after that? Oh, I don't, there's a couple of moments in here where I don't know how he lived. But once again, these are the things they do where they work for me. I mean, you're right. Like there's things, I don't, how does he live through the fire extinguisher to the head? 
And then later on, which we'll get to, how does he live through the beating of the pipe to the head like 20 times? And yeah, he gets hit. He's <laughs> just kidding. How did he live through that? I mean, no brain damage. No, no. Nothing. Nothing. No concussions. And not only that, but in this doctor's office, he ends it. Oh, God. This was this was a triple F. This is a, a fast forward for sure. He, he takes a scalpel, jams it in his ankle. Well, first off, Alan, Alan, he... Uh, Serial killer th- gets a s- scalpel and okay. tries to tries to get Kim, and Kim grabs the blade with his hand and squeezes <laughs> as he's, the blade's just cutting his hand. Then we know that Kim is also on the same level in terms of psychosis, being a psycho right. as the serial killer. Right. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's the devil. Like, they're both fucking nuts. Right, exactly. I mean, that's why it's called I Saw the Devil, because I think it really is. It's about Kim, too. And it we'll, goes both ways. It yeah. definitely it's goes both weird, ways. You go both sides. And we'll kind of talk about that as the, as the film goes on. But when he jams the scalpel oh. into his ankle oh, and talk about lingering on a shot. And then he, I still feel it. I right do, now. too. Tears that Achilles. You see him struggling with the scalpel as he's trying to cut through to the Achilles. And he does. He like snaps right through the Achilles. OK, that's brutal. Next scene, Kim's walking. Or not Kim, but <laughs> serial killer's walking. The rest of the movie, he's got a little bit of a limp, but he's walking. He Admittedly, he did have, but let's not forget, I mean, he had a crutch. He did, have, he a did crutch, have a crutch. But not the entire uh, time, though. There's a lot of this movie <laughs> where he's fighting, and he's like doing some crazy shit, and his Achilles has been severed, and his hand has been broken, but he's still... Like the Achilles one, like the rest of it, I can forgive. The Achilles one had me going like, come on. That was so like, yeah. you made me sit through that and you're just going to kind of play it off. You know, what's funny though. I never, I mean, you're absolutely right, but I just didn't care. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously because it's such a good movie that you go past it, but that one I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like I, I had- love when he does it. And then he tells the nurse that was the, the, the serial killer was, he's like, she, he tells her not to leave. Now, she's been sexually assaulted and nearly raped, and he's, he's like, don't leave because he's going to need to be treated. <laughs> like, Kim, you're crazy. She just got sexually assaulted by this guy. She's not going to want to treat him. <laughs> exactly. Let him suffer, man. Let him suffer. But, yeah, he, that is funny because subsequently he's just kind of walking around on his, on his uh, rip. Not torn, not, not like cut in half. Yeah, severed, straight up severed. Like it's severed. It's like he cut right through the Achilles, and he's just limping around. Um, so that I mean that took me out of it a little bit, but not enough to not enjoy the movie. Obviously, but you know what they do. You know what makes it for me passable, which is it's so um, it's so hard to watch because it's it feels painful when you watch it that you almost forget that you couldn't watch like the next scene cuts and you're like, you're still trying to trying to come out of the shock of what just happened. Right. And you're not putting together the logic of him. Not for me. Like you're not, you're not going, Oh, logically he can't. Well, I'm just, I'm like, Oh my, that scene was tough. Right. Right. Well, and that, that was almost what made it stick for me is like, I had to suffer through that scene too. You know, like obviously it wasn't my Achilles, but you kind of feel like, you can feel it a little bit and it was tough to watch and it was tough to sit through and it was a long shot. So you can't just make me sit through that shot and just act like it didn't happen. 
like, <laughs> I, I suffered, man. You gotta, you gotta give me some payoff for that. But regardless, uh, I, I thought, uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, whoever the act, oh. the actor who played Cho, he, I thought he did a Cho, great yeah. job as he's getting his Achilles severed. I thought he did a fantastic job because I don't know. He's just kicking and screaming, and I don't know if there's any other way you can play that. And and here's what the follow-up is. This gives you a little bit of maybe uh, of relief. Because if you remember, he, he, uh, the, the, the scene cuts to a parking lot, and it's a car, and Cho falls out of the car just That's straight true. on the ground. He can't true. walk. I mean, they kind of alluded to it. Right. I mean, it doesn't sustain itself throughout. But Good point. when he tries to get out of the car, he just falls on his face. Good point. And that was kind of fun. And that's when he's trying to figure out, how is this dude tracking me? Because he thinks, yeah. it's, he thinks it's a bug in the car or in a shoe or something. He can't figure out that. I don't know if he just doesn't remember that, um, that Kim shoved that pill down his throat. Yeah. The track when he was build. had when he when he had the chance to kill him and left in the money he he jammed the the uh, the microchip right down down his throat what, it, which is why he can hear what's going on he can track him and it again fun little gadget I like it yeah it's fun it's not logically sound but we <laughs> but what is now that we're discussing it <laughs> exactly. in this movie <laughs> well here's the thing is the more we talk about this movie the more I'm like wow this is super unrealistic. But while you're watching it, it doesn't you feel that way at all. You don't care. It feels it. Just, it feels like you're watching. I, it doesn't feel real, but it feels like the weight of real life. If that makes any sense. Yep. No, it feels it's it's heavy. It's like we said. It's got a weight to it. Yeah. Uh, and and Cho gets out, or serial killer gets out, and then um, Kim gets a call from his. His, uh, his, I want to say father-in-law, but they never got married, but you get the point. His father-in-law and his sister-in-law, or uh, who would have been his father-in-law, he gets a call and they're like, you got to stop this. At this point, the police and them, they kind of know that he's chasing them down because they know that they know who the serial killer is. They're kind of following their own case and word is spreading that, that uh, Kim's following him around and he tries to pull him off it. They try to tell him to stop because it's getting it's just going to get worse. The cops actually think that they're worried that the chief is the one doing this, which, again, doesn't really fit with the chief's character because he's so timid and I can't see him exacting. this. Oh, is that event. why they is that why he calls him and tells him to stop? Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. Yeah, from it. I, I think he even says he's, he's like they suspect that I'm doing it. Oh, so I that's one reason. That. Yeah, I missed that line of dialogue. Yeah. Well, and then la well, <laughs> later still, on when they I was still trying to recover from the Achilles. <laughs> yeah, dude. it's rough, man. It's rough. But basically, a, a, a lot more happens. But to kind of speed this up a little bit, Kim just keeps showing up. He keeps showing up everywhere the killer is and just kicking the shit out of him. And the killer just keeps getting more and more beat up as the as the movie goes on. We do have to talk about, though, the cannibal. Because, and That's I'm, what we're getting right now. That's the next oh, part it? of it okay. where, where he shows up and it's uh, apparently some friend of his, some co compadre that also is a serial killer. And they're having dinner in this huge house and the dude's eating human flesh. And it just seems like we come back to cannibalism quite a bit on this show. It started with Chainsaw and I can't remember, but there were one or two other films that 
that had some cannibalism in there too. But this one, um, it's it's kind of comic relief, but it's also it's so it's almost like so disturbing that it's funny. Like the char- the guy who is playing the cannibal, he's funny. Like he's kind of a big fat guy who's just. Oh, he's great. He, I love him, man. He's sadistic and he's nuts and he's he's like unhinged nuts. Whereas, you know, the killer, the serial killer we've been following. He's a little bit, we're starting to understand, he's a little bit more methodic. And this is really the, the scene and the sequence where we understand that he's really trying to turn the tables and he's actually much more dangerous than we're giving him credit for, um, right. which is saying something. But the cannibal, he's just unhinged. He's just a lunatic. Oh, he's crazy. And he starts laughing and telling, telling Cho that he's screwed. You're screwed You're this screwed time. this time. You're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> All the, the entire time, and they did a great job with with the human flesh that he's eating because it looks oh. uncooked. It's just red and disgusting, and th- the sound design while he's eating it is so gross. It makes your stomach turn. It really it's does. Gross. It's disgusting. No, it was really well done, and but but he what also he does for the story is kind of alludes to the serial killer that you know he's enjoying the hunt. Like you enjoy the hunt. He's also enjoying the hunt, and this starts to get him thinking about how he's doing it and how right. he's always knowing where he is. But Kim shows up again, shows up at the house, the cannibalistic house, and this is a cool scene too where it all kind of goes down here where uh, what it, it always seems like Kim shows up right at the time where the female's being, there's gonna something going to go down, right. and then he, he's like the savior. Right. I love it, man. That, I mean, that's, that's I what it. makes it so gratifying, you know? Like, he shows up just in time. The only bummer here is that the cannibal didn't get what was coming to him. That's, like, the only thing that's a little unsatisfying about this. Because he's about... Oh, he does, though, in, like, 10 more minutes well, in the film. He does. Yeah, true. He does. But at this point, like, because... You don't laugh at Kim and talk about his dead fiance and get away with it. You definitely don't do that. But he does say... Uh, the, the, canna- the cannibal is about to, to kill a girl, and he, and he straight up tells her, I'm going to cut off your hands first, then your feet, then your head. So uh, I thought that was pretty creepy. So when finally Kim comes in, and he manages to, he stabs the cannibal right through his hand, uh, knife goes right through the hand into the table, and he's got him trapped, and he, he tells him, hands, feet, head. That's what you're going to get. And this is kind of a theme of the movie, he says, and I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially he's saying you're getting exactly what you deserve. You're getting exactly what was dished out to you. And that's an important yeah. theme uh, coming up later, obviously. But you can kind of see a little bit of Kim's moral code and where he stands on justice. Yeah. And what you give, you get. Exactly. And so uh, right when he's about to start cutting off hands, here comes the killer with a gun. And it's fun, man. Like, it's a chase through the house. It's done well again. I love, I love just the back and forth between those two. And the, getting the upper hand and losing the upper hand. It, to me, it's just, it's fun. It feels very cartoony in a, in a fun way. Like you mentioned, a fun way. It doesn't feel campy, but it feels very cartoony where Kim's running around the house and he's serial killers following him with a shotgun. But it's very cool cool it's very done it's done very well but it, it is a little bit cartoony right oh for sure i mean it, it was even a little home alone there he's throwing out the oh yeah that's on- what i did. <laughs> that's what i told my wife 
He jumps on the balcony, gets over, grabs the fishing rod and the fish hooks and throws the fish hooks on the hallway. And I literally, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I looked at my wife and I'm like, this dude's fucking Kevin McAllister. Yeah, dude, right it's, now. it's half Kevin McAllister and half John McClain from Die Hard. <laughs> like it's just, it's so, it's, it's just perfect. Um, and this is where he, you know, obviously gets the upper hand on the killer, starts beating him with the, the pipe over the head and on the back. And again, this is another one of those parts where it's like, how did he live, man? Like, how you can't get hit that many times and walk away from that. But he does. But he does. He, he does. He does. And, and so does the cannibal, right? The cannibal lives too. He does. And that's important. Which I hated, like we mentioned. I know. I, I really was, wanted I to see his get, his get his hands and feet cut off. I really wanted to see that. Um, so... I'm trying to think. They end up in the hospital. We'll get there. Yeah. They end up in the hospital, uh, including serial kill. I mean, Kim's basically beat the shit out of him. Everybody's in the hospital. Kim's got his, his James Bond Q at the hospital with him who fucks it all up. He fucks it all up. He, because they're in the same room as serial killer. Serial killer is supposedly unconscious because he's damn near dead. And Q is talking to Kim, telling him that... Uh, about the microchip that eventually he's going to shit it out over the next 48 hours or whatever it is. And they, th and, and Kim says, hold on. Actually, shut he up. said, and he, he said, opens the curtain. He told him unless he has diarrhea, he's not going to shit it out. Oh, that's right. Unless he has diarrhea. But Kim says, hold on, shut your damn mouth. <laughs> Stop talking. He was right in the other room. <laughs> or not, he's not, right in the other he's room. in the same room. He's just behind the curtain. He's behind the curtain. Kim opens the curtain Serial killer looks unconscious, closes the curtain, and then, of course, we get that camera push in where we know the serial killer's awake, and he's heard this detail. So when he wakes up in a random tunnel, Kim puts him in a tunnel, <laughs> a random tunnel, and when he wakes up in a random tunnel, he knows what he has to do now, which is shit out the microchip. And he knows and that Kim he can hear him. starts talking to Kim. Exactly. Like, are you listening, motherfucker? <laughs> he's, like, going off... This is where it gets fun again in a story. What a cool, fun story where he starts going, I'm going to get you back. He starts talking. I'll get you soon. He's talking shit to Kim. And he runs into a pharmacy, grabs a bunch of laxative. And that scene was nasty. Uh, it, like he's now he's a man on a mission. I this is what I loved about how they flipped the characters yep. because Kim had such control going up to it. And then once Cho or uh, uh, the serial killer gets the piece of information, the whole dynamic just shifts and the momentum now is in his favor. And you start to see how much of a crazy bastard he is. It's, it's fun. It's super fun because this is where it really becomes cat and mouse. And now you're feeling helpless and yeah, you're like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, that scene though, where he takes that laxative and he's going to shit out the microchip. is so this, nasty. That was the hardest <laughs> part for me to watch in the whole movie. I'm not lying. Like, it's worse than the Achilles. It's worse than anything else we've seen. I, I can't. That almost made me barf. Where he's digging through <laughs> his shit to find the pill. Oh, it was horrible. It looks like real shit diarrhea. It really does. I don't know. I don't know who, who had to, I don't know, look at pictures or, or look at their own diarrhea to, to make that fake shit. But, man, they did a good job. And I feel bad for them. And they deserve a raise. And he, <laughs> and he puts his hand in it. Oh, 
Oh and my to God. grab the microchip, then he rinses off the microchip, and then some random pedestrian guy, taxi driver, comes in to the restroom. Serial killer beats the shit out of him and shoves the microchip in his mouth with his poop hand. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> I just even thinking about it makes me queasy. <laughs> so gross. And the whole time, serial killer before that, right before that, was telling Kim, "You should have stayed closer. You should stay in closer range to me." You little bitch, I'm coming after you. Yep. And then he shoves the microchip in, and Kim tries to get there, but he gets there too late. He's too late. So now, now it's, a, it's a mystery box, because how is Kim going to find him? Right. And not only that, but uh, Serial Killer has, has killed the pharmacist. So, And I think it's important to know all of the collateral damage that happens, because that's kind of the point of the film. Because a lot of people end up dead or hurt because of Kim's quest for revenge. And yeah. we're about to find out. Obviously, first, first we'll talk about Kim goes to the hospital to, uh, to win. And I love how, so obviously the police are waiting for the cannibal to wake up. And uh, obviously, I don't know if they can't wake him up or what is going on, but they're, wait, they're waiting for him to wake up so they can interrogate him. Kim just walks in there and slaps him and says, wake up. And the guy wakes up. I thought it was hilarious. He like punches him in the face. Yeah, like, like, yeah, exactly. He bitch slaps him. Yeah, he does. And he's he, all, he, he asks where, where serial killer is. And um, we get some more crazy moments from the cannibal. And we're talking about how he uh, he's going to turn himself. He tells Kim that he's going to turn himself in. But first, he's going to uh, take revenge on everybody that Kim loves, essentially. Yeah, which first means... the father, then the or the family. Exactly. Yeah. The... And he also starts talking about how uh, he's different from me. The serial killer is a different kind of killer because he likes to enjoy his prey before he kills him. He says he likes to give pleasure before he kills him. Pleasure. Which yeah. is uh, obviously a thinly coated way to say he likes to rape him first. So, yeah. now we know that... And then he just starts laughing his ass off. Yeah. <laughs> but now we, well, now we know that the chief is in danger and also. But uh, here's the best line, Alan. Don't let, this is my favorite line of the whole movie. What is it? When Cannibal is laughing his ass off because he's telling Kim that serial killer raped his fiance uh, before killing her and starts laughing, smiling. And then Kim says. I'll give you a permanent smiley face. <laughs> and he grabs his mouth with his fingers and rips open the guy's jaw. <laughs> and the line is, I'll give you a permanent smiley face. I oh loved my it. God. I thought it was so funny. It's so good. It's just, it's so good. Again, he's getting, <laughs> he's, he's getting what he deserves. He's getting what he gets. He's getting what he There's gets. There's so many devils in this movie. There really are. They're seriously. It's, it should be called I Saw the Devils. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously now we're, we're, we're scared for the chief. We're scared for the chief's surviving daughter. Yeah, we know the family's in trouble. And again, we go a little bit horror movie style because serial killer shows up at, at, the, at the chief's house. And then later when the daughter shows up, it's very quiet. It's very creepy. And there's a jump scare. There's a straight up jump scare as he jumps out to kind of tackle her. And I thought yeah. it was done very well. And, but well, it was it's creepy as shit. It's super and creepy. The way that 
serial killer just gets into the house and he first off we know that the the old man the 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 chief has been beaten to shit that scene where he's in the house he's just opening the fridge taking a drink like just wandering around just like that creepiness of making yourself at home after you've just beat the shit out yep. of that homeowner it's so creepy and then he's talking to the old man and you feel so bad because this is an old this is an old guy right he's, he's, and then he just starts beating the shit it's like a weight or something i don't know what it is like one of those dumbbells it i think it he's looks like a dumbbell and again it looks so real I don't, that, that was definitely the actor. I don't know how they shot that. I really don't. I watched it a couple times trying to figure it out. I don't know how they did it. Cause yeah, it's, it's not a dummy. Really well, and it's, it's hard to watch cause it's it anytime really it's the same thing, like an old man or, uh, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard. It's difficult to swallow. Right. For sure. And they've done a great job of showing mm -hmm. how weak the chief is. They've done a great job throughout the whole movie. So, you know, he's vulnerable and you know, there's nothing he can do about it. And it's, it's very scary. And he, man, this dude is just so sadistic. You just re by the, you really by the hate time him. Kim, yeah. <laughs> by the time Kim shows up, uh, because the there's the jump scare when the 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 sister-in-law, uh, the daughter comes in, and the old man's been beaten beaten up, and by the time Kim shows shows up, it's you know that the worst has happened. Yep. Basically. Yep. And it, it's horrible. Um, and then finally, the, the police finally kind of confront Kim as Kim shows up to check on the chief, obviously. And you, you, you see, I mean, this is really when the point of the movie is hit home. When you see the reaction from the police department having to find the chief that way. The chief's still alive, but he has been brutalized, essentially, and just beat, beat to shit. And you really, that's when you really feel the weight of what this revenge journey has 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 done and w what it does and that's that's the whole point of the movie yeah and it kind of leads us into that last 20 minutes or so where it's this back and forth where kim's trying to well he's trying to hunt down a uh, serial killer and the the big thing here is um i loved how they did this by the way and he he calls he calls him right he calls kim he finds out uh oh man I he can't either calls now. kim or he calls, he calls the him. cop i can't remember which one but he says i'm going to turn myself in he says he's going to turn himself in but he also i think he and now i got to remember but i think he calls kim and says you think you won that's right that's right he does like he starts talking even more shit right um, and then he, but the whole concept being, I'm going to kill the family and then turn myself in. So you can't keep doing, you're not going to get that retribution right. of killing me. Cause I'll be in jail. You can't do shit. Or prison. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's no way you can win this battle. And you, so Kim, yeah, I mean, Kim, you, won, you, you lost Kim. I mean, full on total action movie move. <laughs> he, 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 yeah. Total, total action movie villain. He, he gets the door off the, the, the driver's side door off his car. And then as Kim is standing in the middle of a road to turn himself in, all the cops are there. He, he, I don't even know how to describe this. He basically pulls a 360 in the car, grabs serial killer, throws him in the car, and drives away with him. Like, it's total, I loved that total, scene. Total, like, awesome. diehard type shit, you know? Like, it's so much fun. I loved it. Yeah, it's way fun. 
And then it gets crazy at the end because it's not it's not really fun. No, this is this is it's not this is fun. an interesting ending. It's, it is. It, you get the retribution. So Kim ultimately gets his the you know the 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 revenge, but it's kind of in a in a in a in, it's funny too because you hate serial killer, right? But it's kind of in a sad way. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here in this in this final scene. He takes serial killer to to the torture dungeon. He gets him inside the guillotine, and the serial killer starts he starts pleading and crying and saying, "Please don't kill me! Please don't kill me!" And so Kim says, "Now do you understand? Now do you understand what you've done?" And then the serial killer totally switches. Like he totally switches and he explains to him that he doesn't feel remorse. He doesn't feel pain. He doesn't feel fear. So he was totally faking the whole time. He's basically just saying like, there's nothing you can do to make me feel the pain that I inflicted on you because I'm, I'm or your fiance or your fiance because I'm incapable of, of that. And after the fiance was killed, Kim, you know, he made a promise to her uh, that he would make he would make her killer feel the pain that he inflicted on her. And now he knows that's not possible. Like it's just he he's not able to inflict that kind of fear on him because he is a straight up sociopath. Sociopaths yep. don't feel fear. They don't feel remorse. They don't feel guilt or empathy. And there, it's a futile effort. There's nothing he can do about it. Um but all he can do is he can he can make things right with the universe essentially. So this is when we go back to the scene where the fiance's head was spilled out of the out of the box in front of the father, in front of him, uh, and in front of obviously the world with the whole with all the media there. So what does he do? And I, I love how this retribution takes place. He rigs the guillotine so that it's rigged to the door and then the rope is put in serial killer's mouth. And I don't know how he got out of the room. This is one thing I didn't understand. Yeah, the edit here is weird because it jumps and all of a sudden serial killer has the rope in his mouth. Right, exactly. So he's got the rope in his mouth and he's got to hold it. If he lets go, the guillotine's going to chop his head off. And... He's still yelling at Kim saying, you can't beat me. I'm going to live no matter what. I'm going to get out of this. There's nothing you can do. But then the serial killer's family, his parents and his son, who we met earlier. We didn't discuss it, but we met them earlier. Yeah, you just meet him briefly. Yeah, it's It's, very briefly. It passes quick. But they show up at his place, and they're trying to get in the door. And he's screaming at him, don't open the door. Don't open the door. And obviously they do open the door. It yanks the rope out of his mouth and his head comes off and it happens right in front of his family. And the first time I watched this before I had to rewatch this week, I didn't quite, I didn't understand why he would do that to those innocent people. I didn't get it. I didn't under, it was like, why, you know, you got a kid there. You have a couple old people. They've already suffered enough by this guy. Why would you do that to them? And it wasn't until rewatching it and kind of understanding Kim's moral code where you're going to get what you give you know, you cut off my fiance's head in front of her family. Now I'm going to do the same to you. That's when it kind of hit home. And then he's walking down the street crying and then it, it cuts to black and that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the one thing, which is the whole time Kim was trying to get, 
and serial killer wasn't going to give it to him. And you were alluding to it, which is serial killers. Like I can't feel anything. I feel no pain. But the reality is the one thing for me when I watched it is he did. He didn't want the kid to open the door. He didn't want his mother to open the door. So the exact thing that he was inflicting on others, uh, he felt that last second before he was taken out. I and, didn't even think. And about by that. the way, Kim left his microchip on the on the next to next to serial killer, so he could hear all of it going down. And after it happens, he just breaks down. Yep. He realizes he did actually get the full retribution. But then, and I, I kind of think that he's breaking down here because when you have grief, like you want to do something with it, you know, you, you want, you want, you want to put that towards something productive, whether or not this is his mission is productive or not is up for debate. But now what does he do? Like he, that was his purpose. That's what he did with his grief. And now he's just going to be alone with his grief. The chief is, is, I don't know, I guess he's still alive, uh, but the rest of, of the fiance's family is gone. Now he's going to be alone and he's just alone with his grief. And that's hard to take. And that's why the first time I watched it, once it was done, I was like, I don't know if I like this movie because it just left me feeling like all the, all the fun stuff about it and all the, the great pacing and the fun action stuff and the revenge stuff. It just it kind of fell flat at the end and it just left me with a, a really depressing feeling. The second time I watched it, obviously I didn't I didn't feel that. I, I I do love this movie a lot, but the first time I was like, ugh, like I don't I don't like what this is leaving me with. Yeah, you definitely leave with a the, I, I didn't feel that, but I can see what you're saying, which is you you, you walk out with like, okay. Uh, <laughs> this was dark. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was like, I'm not, but I actually, from the first watch, I thought, man, this is, I loved it because he did accomplish the goal. And I, that sounds very traditional, but I like the, I like the concept that he, that he uh, accomplished what he set out to, even as brutal as it is or, or questionable as it might be. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but overall, I think this is fantastic. I really do. And give me okay, give me your give me your favorite. There's there's probably a few, so but but just one. Give me your favorite scene. Oh man, this is real. Oh oh, we didn't even talk about one of the coolest scenes. Don't, you're gonna steal mine. Okay, I'll I'll leave it for you then. You talking about the no ta- no no? Go for it. About the taxi? Just, I already know what you're gonna say. You talking about the taxi? Yeah. Okay, that's not one of my favorites. I just wanted to make sure we talked. I about loved it. that. Scene. It's really good. It's really really good. I'll leave that for you. Uh, th- this is tough because there are so many things. I really love the cat and mouse thing. Like when the when the tables turned, and serial killer finally had the upper hand. That was fun because that's when, before it's just fun to see him getting the shit kicked out of him. But that's when the stakes were really raised, and you find out how cunning he is. So it's not like it's not an enjoyable part of the movie because it is kind of the danger. But it it it's the first time I was like, oh god, this is. This is going to get crazy. It's the first time I'm like, I don't know how it's going to end. I have no idea. That's uh, so we, you were, you were going to jump in on it. So I'll jump in on it. Cause I loved the scene where after it's after uh serial killer uh, gets uh, the shit beat out of him at the greenhouse. Right? No, I think it was, 
I think it where was he's, after where he's the got second. the money. He got choked out. He gets the shit beat Maybe out of him. Maybe it was. Maybe. I'm pretty sure that's where I it think, was. You know what? You might be right. I think it was. And um, this was because because this is already toying with you. you. Kim's already let him go, right? And so yeah, it happens right after that green. Yeah, games. I think yeah. But he, he's on the road. He's he has no car, no way to get back to any any point in civilization. He's on the road. And Ren, we get these a lot in this movie, which is we get that rant, we we get that random coincidence that a taxi driver just so happens to be in the middle of nowhere. And and he flags him down and then he also happens to be a taxi driver who just lets people ride for free. <laughs> How convenient. Those don't exist. <laughs> But I love the scene because uh, serial killer gets in the shotgun of the taxi and the taxi driver is just oblivious. He's just one of those casual, jokey type guys. He's just crazy. And this is what a question I have for you. The guy in the back seat. What's up with that, dude? There's a whole lot. Once you're done with this scene, I, I got a lot of questions about this scene, actually. Because I wonder if the guy in the back seat's also a serial killer. Oh, I think he is. Most definitely. Okay. I think they okay. both are actually because of And then I wondered about I wondered about the taxi driver. I wasn't sure. I mean it's more questionable, but the backseat guy it indicates the way he looks and feels and eyeballs everybody. Then he also has like a knife on his side which he's going to grab. And uh the taxi driver keeps saying how lucky uh serial killer is. Oh, you're so lucky that we were out here. So so lucky. And then he's like, "No, I think you're very unlucky. And then this scene, when he pulls, just starts, it gets so, it's, it, this is where it does get a little bit stylized and over the top, but it's basically just a continual 360 around the tap. I loved how they shot it. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how they did it, but I loved it. I don't know how they do that, but 360 around, and he's just stabbing, and everyone's just stabbing <laughs> each other and push, and just blood's flying everywhere. And serial killers just stabbing the guy in the back like 20 times, the taxi driver 20 times, and the camera's just swirling around him. I loved it. It's done and before so you well. know it, everybody's dead but serial killer. He killed them both. It's, it's just, it, it felt like a video game where you just keep attacking someone and they don't die. Exactly. Man, he stabbed those guys a lot. <laughs> and uh, here's the thing, though, I didn't understand. He's the, only one, he's the only one left alive. He checks the trunk. There's a body in the trunk. Yeah, so that's what me and my wife were doing too. That because it cuts to a shot of them in the woods off the side of the road, and there's three bodies piled up, and it's hard to distinguish if there's three bodies or two. And we paused it, and there's t three bodies because there's right. one. In, I was like, "What?" And it, so this is why it indicates that they're all serial killers, yeah, or at least they someone's have to be, involved. Because you don't put a body in the trunk without the driver knowing. I mean, I'll, yeah. you know, like what I, it wasn't like it was hidden in a rug or, or in a suitcase or something. It was just a body that had been loaded in the trunk. And all the only thing they say about it, he just looks down. And he goes, those crazy bastards. And that's it. <laughs> I, I'd like I to know what happened like that. What what happened? What is Korea just filled with serial killers roaming the country or something like <laughs> this is wild, man. What it does, though, is validates. Uh, serial killer as the serial killer. Yeah, the alpha. Because he can, yeah, the alpha yeah. serial killer, right? I love that scene. I think that's a great scene. I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, give me, give me a, a final summation and give me a rating on this one, Alan. What are you thinking? Man, 
this was a tough one. I kept going, I kept thinking about this and thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the, the higher my rating went. I'm going to go pretty high on this one, actually. I'm going to go 8.6. And I don't, let's see, 8.6 scalpels. Nice. 8.6. Yeah, that's. That's high for me. That's pretty high. I, that's that's pushing one of the higher scores, I think, of all 31 podcasts we've done up to this point. I gave Chainsaw 9. I can't give this. Maybe I won't. Nah, let's see. I'm gonna, no, going to I'll back. stick with it. He brings up TCM and then I know, it's over. Because, you know, you, you get that bar, man. That bar is way too high. No, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to go 8.6. Uh, I did give Chainsaw 9, though. And nothing can. That's my favorite movie. So nothing can be higher than that. I mean, this does have cannibals. It does have cannibals. And serial killers. So, I mean, we're in the same wheelhouse. We're pretty close. Like, we're pretty close. It's, it's more fun than Chainsaw. I will say that. It's a lot more fun. It's a lo- it is a lot more fun. The, I love the poster for this, too. Yeah. With, with uh, the skin. So, it has Kim with his face. And then the one side of his face is cut out. And in red underneath is serial killer's face. It's so good. It's great. And, and again, I'll, I'll just say this again. The dude who played the serial, serial killer. Damn. Like he is. Every time he was on screen, I was afraid. I kept saying that to my wife and, and we were texting back and forth about it. This dude, he's unreal. He's a great actor. He's unbelievable. Just like the way they chose to reveal the character and how he played each stage of that so well just speaks a lot to his acting ability yeah he's fantastic so alan i have a couple just a couple questions for you then we're going to play a little different game here we're going to spice it up are you ready i'm ready what is the is there a message to this movie and if there is do you agree or disagree with it yeah i think so i think it actually does the message more than most revenge films do I think I think it messages you can't you can't find revenge like there's no if you try and get revenge. It's not going to be what you think it should be like, it's not going to be pretty and there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. I don't know how many people out there are out looking for revenge in this way, but still, I think that's that that'd be my guess, my best guess for the message of the film. And I I, yeah, I, I think I agree with it. Front, you know, do any of these characters make you angry? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the serial killer, but it's, it's, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it angry. I just, I'm just so looking forward to him getting what's coming to him. So I, no, I'm, I wouldn't say angry. I wouldn't go with angry. That's not the right emotion, I don't think. What did you like least about the film? Some of the some of the plot conveniences we talked about, especially the Achilles thing. I don't know why that stuck with me, but that that stuck with me a little bit. That's probably what I'd say. But forgivable enough to give it an eight point six, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely, that's how much fun it is. Seriously. So wait, what about you? What do you think the message was? Yeah, flipping the question back on. I like it, man. I don't want to sound all pretentious and shit. (laughs) <laughs> it's a film podcast. You have to. It's required. I think that the movie is ultimately about, I think it, to me, it's just about injustice. And what I mean is 
Like, and it kind of alludes to what you were saying, but you can never quite, you can't force justice on a situation. It's just going to be what it is. Sometimes things just are what they are. And if you try to push for those things or try to justify those things in any way, like you were saying, it, it doesn't matter. The, the fulfillment of that justice may never be there. Because um, I think you're right. I don't think Kim ultimately gets it. I still think, and we were talking about this before, I do think he experiences a little bit of it, just a glimpse, but not, but it's, it's not long lasting. Right. Right. It's not like it's like, oh, I'm going to be able to move on now. It's just that little bit of, oh, maybe I got something and then it's over and it still is what it is. Nothing changed. Right. And I'm not sure it was gratifying whatsoever either. Yeah, I don't know that his reaction's gratification more than it is mission accomplished. And sometimes you do something, right? Like if you have a goal, sometimes the goal's not this overly gratifying thing. It's just a goal that you have to get to to move on to something else or whatever. And so I agree with you. I don't think it's overly gratifying. So I guess you can't force justice. Things are what they are. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's much better said, I think. I think that's exactly. Well, right. I don't know about much better, but yeah, I'll, I'll I think so. It. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to say essentially. But uh, what about did did these characters any of them make you angry? Um, I really, I mean, it's it's obvious that you would hate serial killer. Any logical, normal person for a movie, I loved him. Right. 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 I mean, but but again, that, that we're living in a fantasy world. This is movie, so I loved him. Uh, so I, he didn't make me angry. I know that right. sounds weird because I'm able to compartmentalize it. I realize that it's a fucking movie. Right. Um, <laughs> a real person like that? Yeah, that's going to upset me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have so. heart. <laughs> um, so he doesn't make me angry, but um, th- this is going to sound probably chauvinistic, <laughs> but... The girl at the bus stop that just standing there twiddling her thumbs. And it's not her fault. I mean, there's convention builds there right. that I don't love. Right. Um, and I get why they do it and it works. It plays into our psyche that way. I just hate those. Sometimes I hate characters that are just pure coincidence or convenience right. based on those tropes. I just, ah. you know what I mean? I agree. Sometimes those have a, I have a hard time with. So I kind of hate those a little bit. I'll read a little trivia. Uh, unless you had, I don't know if you had looked at anything uh, that you thought was interesting. Let's I have see. a little here. Well, the, the one that I had was about the remake, actually. Oh, shit. I don't know if, I don't know if you saw this. Don't worry. It's, no. It's not an American remake. So I started out the podcast by saying those <laughs> bitches better not make a remake. Uh Director Jiwoon Kim revealed how some Indian producers were interested in the film's remake rights. Since the agreement mm-hmm. failed at the negotiation table, he laughed. They made it anyway. So Bollywood what? remade it. Oh, Lord. Yeah, which I, I'm not familiar with a lot of Bollywood, so I don't know the quality. I'm not either, so I'm not hating on it for that. I'm right. just hating on I hate when we do this thing where we have this great thing we, we have to replicate. Yeah, because there's a lot of cultural things going on, too, that just don't translate to a different culture. Yeah. 
And yeah, there is something, and I don't know, like we said, I don't know about enough about Korean culture, but you can kind of see how it exists in the world that they've built. Definitely. The atmosphere works. For sure. That was the main well, one. Sca- you saw. scared me, though. I know. You scared me. I, I know. Th- <laughs> I thought for a minute some greedy-ass American producer was trying to get the rights to remake this movie. I'm sure Platinum Dunes will try and get it at some point. I'm going to boycott it. I'm going to find that production company and get a list of names to boycott the remake if they try. Um, One thing I thought was interesting, uh, pulling from the trivia, the Korean media rating board, so the MPAA for Korea, basically, um, forced Kim to recut the film for its theatrical release, objecting to its violent content. Otherwise, the film would have gotten a restricted rating, preventing any sort of release in theaters or home video. So they have a they they had a, he had to recut the film. I wonder. I find interesting. We probably did not get the theatrical cut, is what I'm guessing. Mm, no, because this is pretty violent. <laughs> Unless it was just ten times worse I, than and what it could have been, saw. man. It could have been for sure. I actually have one for you real quick. Um, Go for it. So, and th- this kind of goes to show you just the differences um, in, in how at least a lot of producers and a lot of studios think uh, things will translate to international audiences. The film's ending music in both Korean as well as international cut is different. The Korean cut focuses more on the music um, while the international cut also has the sound of the hero crying. I don't oh, remember. Got the, the, okay. At the end. Yeah, at the end. Um, I don't think you need the sound of the hero crying. I think he, his acting did, did plenty to indicate what he's feeling. You know what's crazy about that? In some way, and this may be a bit of a push, you don't need anything. I agree. You don't need music. You don't need his. his you just need nothing. That would be very powerful. Uh, if I was the editor, that's what I'd have yeah. chose, and then the director would have been like, "Get your ass out of the chair." But that's how I'd have done it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the last one: Arnold Schwarzenegger was so impressed with this film, he later worked with the director on the movie The Last Stand. I have not seen it. I haven't seen The Last Stand. I know it was on Netflix a while back, um, and it, it appears as though that is uh, also directed by the same director of this film so i find that interesting but i like i mean arnold schwarzenegger is a huge action star yeah well you can see so you can see the how he'd be good at directing an action movie i love that schwarzenegger loved the movie yeah me too (laughs) me too schwarzenegger i like it (laughs) it's very good (laughs) i want to work with you Okay, that was one of the worst <laughs> Schwarzenegger impressions. I apologize, everybody. Uh, last one, and then I'll jump into my rating and my summary. I found a cool thing on uh, Rolling Stone. So Rolling Stone uh, rated the 20 scariest, they, they said, horror movies you've never seen. And this film, I Saw the Devil, was in that list of 20 horror films you've never seen. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know if it's scary. Um, well, it depends on how you classify. I mean, there's classifications, right? Right. Because 
scary is it tradition i mean does it fall in line with like a traditional horror film that that we would be familiar with i agree with you i don't think it does but it's still it's scary in a different way maybe a more authentic way. i can see i can see this being you know stretched a little bit to classify it as a horror movie i don't really have a problem with that but i wouldn't call it scary i call it suspenseful but i i'm not I sure think, i'd go with scary yeah I think too, though there are there are conventions built in this film that fall in the same type of conventions of horror. Yeah, you got cat and mouse, right? For sure, that's like that's like the epitome of a trope in horror film. Yep. It's like cat and mouse back and forth. So I think there's elements to it. I just I think you're I think it's just a little different. But nonetheless, Rolling Stone's saying what they're really saying is watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, you missed it. You've never seen it, but you should. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Rotten Tomatoes comes in with a uh, 81% from the critics. That's good. And yeah, it's good. And then an 87% from the audience. Ooh. So it's pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, actually, IMDb comes in with a 7.8. So that's high for IMDb, too. That's pretty high too. So they're coming in with a, a pretty a pretty high score. So here's where I'm at, Alan. I think that the it this film's captivating. I think that uh, it's a fun hunter hunted moment. Good evil. Um, I like all of that. I like. I'm not even. A, I like the brutality. I like the way that it's done in in the real uh, authentic kind of way. It's got a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say police detective, but it's got a little thing of like the case and he's got to go through and find his, he's making his own case outside of the system. And that's always kind of cool. Um, and I think that overall, like it's, it's, it's pretty, like it's one of those films that you don't really close your eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're constant for me when I watched it both times I was constantly captivated on the screen um, and like we mentioned earlier like that alludes to the fact that we never um, you two or two hours two and a half hours it goes by quick so I like the movie quite a bit I'm gonna go with similar scores to uh, IMDB but I'm actually gonna bump it up just a little um, I'm gonna come in with you had you had an eight point six scalpels. Scalpels. I'm going to come in with an 8.1. 8.1 was the worst one ever. <laughs> so I can't, I hate it when I can't think of a creative one. Usually when I'm watching the movie, I'm trying to come up with them, but I just, <laughs> I was so engaged in the story I was, I that I did not even I didn't think do about it this it. time. Yeah. Oh, I got it though. Ready? Yep. See how we, we I, that's called a, that's called a filibuster. I was just, <laughs> I was working. We were talking to try to, try, and while we were doing Gotta that in my back time. of my head, I was coming up with one. 8.1 severed heads. Oh, that's the, why didn't I go with that one, man? Now I'm pissed at myself. Where's the hockey horn? I, wah, wah. That was perfect, man. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, so I can't. I, I mean, this is a fun, fun movie. I, I'm definitely interested in watching more Korean film um, and seeing what they do. I've only seen a handful, so this has definitely incentivized me to, to go on and, and uh, 
watch more. Yeah, I, I, I have not. I've not seen a lot of Korean films, but the ones I have seen, I've really enjoyed. And like I mentioned, this premiered here in the U.S. at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, also, a couple little side notes in terms of awards and nominations. It it at the Austin I, here local uh, in the United States, Austin Film Critics Association, uh, best foreign language film. Austin is a big film community, so that's a good that's a, a pretty pretty good sized award. Yeah, uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. <laughs> It's. I think it's nominated for that too. <laughs> so this is. Uh, I saw the devil. Wait for. Have directed, you seen? Have you yeah, seen, go ahead. Have you seen Train to Busan? I have not seen it. I have heard of this movie, but it's, I have not watched it. It. I'm looking it up right now. I know it was on Netflix. It's really good. It's Korean. It. it it's still on Netflix. It's a zombie movie. Uh, made in 2016. It's. I mean, Only it's good because Donnie probably told me about it. It's. It's. It's definitely, definitely worth seeing. I. I definitely check it out. Um. Yeah, it's on. It's on Netflix. It's a good movie. A it's, virus movie. It's not. It, I don't think it's as good as this or as good as Parasite, but it is very good. Well, I mean, the Korean cinema is doing some great shit. I mean, they've. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, Parasite and. And uh, if I think if we backtrack on their work and look at more of their stuff, we're going to realize that they are uh, some hell. They're hella filmmakers. It kind of feels like it's an up and coming scene right now. And I definitely it's something I want to pay more attention to. I as well. And I think that uh, going forward, I'll definitely be paying attention to uh, what's coming out of Korean cinema. So this is uh, the Tame Aperture podcast with I Saw the Devil the 2010 film by Jiwoon Kim, uh, a secret agent exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases. Go check it out. It's currently it's currently on Tubi, Crackle, and Amazon Prime Video. For Alan, this is Gabe and the Tame Aperture Podcast. Go check us out at tameaperture.com for previous episodes and to make suggestions on future episodes. Take care, everybody. Tame Aperture signing out. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.